Those of you who were at the uh, Easter Vigil uh, last Saturday would have witnessed the baptism of three uh, of our parishioners, um, Kali, Tara, and Brianna. Uh, I didn't uh, notice Brianna here last Sunday, but she, I see she's here today. Where is she? So there you are. She's just waving her hand up there. So, because uh, Tara was wearing her white garment last week, but uh, Brianna was just in her shy way sitting towards the back there. So, um, and uh, Callie was here at a mass last night. So these three are just a week old. They are the ones whom we uh, thought about when, when at the introit of today's mass, who, when St. Peter refers to, the, to them uh, as newborn infants, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Today is uh, sometimes called Quasimodo Sunday. If you know the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know his name was Quasimodo. But it's called Quasimodo Sunday because in Latin, that introit it goes Quasimodo Geniti Infantes, like newborn infants, like newborn babes. So these three, the two who are here, uh, Tara and Brianna, are like newborn babes still uh, in the church. And today, uh, in the early Christian church, they would, um, it would be the first time that they would appear without their white garments. The white garments are cast aside on the Saturday evening in a ceremony with the Pope. He would bless water, and then the garments would be consigned to those who are in charge of cleaning them, and they would be cleaned in that blessed water for use next year by the new, uh, the, by the catechumens who are to be baptized in the following year. And so today they would appear for the first time without those garments, casting them aside, in a, in a sense kind of growing up. Uh, now, uh, St. Augustine would compare um, this, this last week to have been the week where the bishop is giving them special instruction, he's being very busy, and now he's letting them go. It's a bit like, you know, the, uh, the mother bird who is flap, flapping around with her chicks, teaching them to fly, uh, and then they're ready to fly. And that's, that's how they are today. Yet, we are all like that. We are all like these newborn infants. And the, the liturgy of, the, of Easter is particularly addressed to the neophytes, the, new, the ones who are beginning, just beginning. The neophyte comes from a Greek word for new plant, newly planted. So they're beginners. The liturgy is addressed to them, with them very much in mind. But we should apply this also to ourselves, that we constantly need to be little children, like newborn infants, just like these neophytes continually, continue to learn the faith now that having gone through a catechumenate, they go through what's called a mystagogia, where the mysteries of the faith are further explained to them. We need to be permanently in that, mo in that mode never thinking we, we know it all, never thinking that there's nothing more we can learn, but rather being humble, ready to obey, ready to, to learn more about our faith. And to encourage our neophytes to stay the course, having tasted that the Lord is good, not to go back to their old ways, 
not to go back to that which is not Christ, those things which are not good. But we know from our own experience that discouragement can set in. Our neophytes are hopefully still very fresh and very enthusiastic about their Christian faith. And we pray that that might continue. But there, you know, there will be a time of testing, as anyone who takes the Christian life seriously experiences. And we pray that they will, not be, they will, they will continue zealous for their faith. But discouragement can come, its way, can come along. We see that in some ways in St. Thomas, who is uh, the, the main figure in the gospel of today. You know, recall who St. Thomas was. He was that apostle specially chosen by our Lord, like the, other tw like the Twelve. And remember when he went to, when our Lord was going to go to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead, he was reminded, but they want to kill you. You know, Bethany was towards Jerusalem. They want to kill you. And Thomas, it was Thomas who said, let's all go to Jerusalem and be killed with Jesus. That's how brave he was at that time. Let's all go to Jerusalem and die with him. I think St. Peter said something similar, didn't he? You know, if all else deny you, Lord, I will never deny you. Before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Where is Thomas on Easter Sunday? He is nowhere to be seen. He's not with the other apostles. He's not with the, other, with the ten. And I wonder what our Lord would have had in his mind. It's not recorded, as St. John tells us in the Gospel today. Our Lord said and did many other things which are not recorded in this book, but these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and through that faith have eternal life. But we can think and meditate on other things that might have happened. What would our Lord have felt that Easter Sunday evening when he found the ten but not Thomas? Maybe he would have asked the others, Where, where's Thomas? I chose him as an apostle. I chose him to be one of those who would be the foundation stone of the church. Where is he? Tell him what you, what, that I've been with you. And of course they did. The apostles went and found Thomas and said, we have seen the Lord. There was, that, there was that bond between them, that fraternity. It was reflective of their unity. We hear in the Acts of the Apostles today how the early Christians, the community of believers was of mind, one mind and heart. They cared about one another. And sometimes people say the Protestant communities are better than we are and noticing when someone's missing. And they get onto them, where, where, where we missed you at church. And it gives them a feeling of, of importance, of belonging. And maybe we're not so good at that. And maybe I should do more, but please, I can't do it all. If you notice someone hasn't been around for a while, tell them the good news. Encourage them in their faith, maybe they need that encouragement. Just as the apostles went to, the, went to Thomas. And he was stubborn, wasn't he? Not only did he refuse belief if he, unless he saw, he insisted on touching. Unless I see the wounds, unless I put my hands into the wounds, I will not believe. 
Nevertheless, he was with them the next Sunday evening, as we read today, the next Easter Sunday. And the wonderful mercy of our Lord, this is a feast of divine mercy. The mercy of our Lord to his doubting but beloved apostle. Our Lord loved Thomas. He said, Thomas, give me your hand. I mean, you can see me. You can see my wounds because that's what Jesus always presented when he appeared. He showed them his wounds in his, side, in his hands and his side. You can see my wounds, but yet if you need to touch, give me your hand. Put your finger in my the wounds in my hand and put your hand in my side. Doubt no longer, but believe. And our Lord had showed no anger, no disappointment, but simply encouraged him in his great mercy, reaching out to his apostle, to his chosen one, who had experienced doubt. Centuries before this day became known as the Feast of Divine Mercy, in fact, back in the sixth century, St. Gregory the Great already commented on this gospel as divine mercy. He said, the divine mercy ordained that a doubting disciple should, by feeling in his master the wounds of the flesh, heal in us the wounds of unbelief. The unbelief of Thomas is more profitable to our faith than, belief, than the belief of the other disciples. And in fact, he became a great apostle and a great martyr. He spread the faith to Syria, Syria uh, and India and, and died for his faith. A great apostle, no doubt, at all in his mind that Jesus was the Lord and that everybody needed to know. The wounds. This is what Thomas needed to see in order to doubt no longer but believe and in order to give us that great gift of that beautiful act of faith, my Lord and my God, which so often we use, I'm sure you do, many people do, when the priest holds up the consecrated host at Mass, we see nothing but bread, as it appears to be, and yet we know it's our Lord. And we are blessed because not seeing, we believe that it is my Lord and my God. And when the chalice is raised similarly, I'm sure many of you say that act of faith, either in your mind or you whisper it, my, my Lord and my God. But it was the wounds that Thomas need to see. And it is those wounds that emblazon our Paschal candle, our Easter candle. That candle which represents the risen Christ, a symbol of the risen Christ in our midst, burning brightly, but emblazoned with symbols of his wounds, those red pins which, which contain incense represent the five wounds as Christ. And as I blessed that candle last Easter vigil, uh, just before our neophytes were baptized, I followed the directives of the Missal as, as I placed each one in. I said, by his holy and glorious wounds, may Christ the Lord guard us and protect us. These wounds are holy and glorious. It is these wounds that guard and protect us. It is these wounds that we need to look at when we experience doubt like Thomas did. 
Look at those wounds. Say yes, my Lord and my God. It is those wounds we need to look at, those holy and glorious wounds we need to look at when we feel tempted to pride or disobedience or tempted to any form of sin or tempted to omit to do a duty that we're called to do. Look at those holy and glorious wounds to protect you and to guard you and to help you persevere in faith. Because those holy and glorious wounds are not to remind us in any way of any kind of anger on God's behalf. You know, it's not saying, look at these holy and glorious wounds so that you may remember how much I suffered for you. See, so remember, remember how much I love you. And what, what, of what great value you are to me. And that if it was necessary for me to suffer and die again for you, I would do it. But it's not necessary because I did it once and for all. And you have the sacraments of the church which make that redemption available to you. In the collect of today's Mass, we prayed that that grace of baptism would increase within us and that we would always remember in what fonts we have been washed. Neophytes take note, but all of us, in what fonts we have been washed, by whose spirit we have been reborn, by whose blood we have been redeemed. Remember the great worth that you have. That you have and I have such a great redeemer. These holy and glorious wounds, which will guard and protect us. And because of the great mercy of our Lord, the first thing he wanted to do was to make available a sacrament that would enable us to recover should we fall again. You know, the neophytes were so fortunate, weren't they? They, they didn't have to confess the sins of their past life. They just came last Saturday evening were washed in water and all their sins, gone. But neophytes, you are reminded today of the great gift our Lord gave to the apostles and to the church on Easter Sunday evening, the day you were baptized, when our Lord breathed upon the apostles and said, for whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven whose sins you retain, they are retained. Because our Lord, as we, re as we read in the Gospel of John, when he cleanses the, God, the, the, the temple, he knows what's in the heart of man. He knows that we will sin. And so he gives us that sacrament. And you neophytes, maybe still pure from your baptism, you will need that sacrament on your journey, as we all do. You will need to go to confession and have your sins forgiven by those successors of the apostles upon whom our Lord breathed that Easter Sunday evening. Our Lord couldn't wait. He had to give that power of forgiving sins to the apostles the very night he rose from the dead. How blessed we are that the Lord is so merciful and loves us so much. Look upon these holy and glorious wounds. Doubt no longer, but believe.
And should there be anyone here who doubts the need for confession, look on these holy and glorious wounds. Doubt no longer, but believe. And make use of this Easter season to go to confession if you haven't been already. Because just as on this Divine Mercy Sunday, this Quasimodo Sunday, this Dominica in Albis Sunday, because Dominica in Albis depositis the day the neophytes take off their white garment and put them down. We hear this gospel of the Lord appearing on Easter Sunday and giving us the sacrament of confession. We will hear this gospel again on Pentecost Sunday to remind it, to be reminded of the great gift of forgiveness of sins, but also that we have been sent out to, uh, to the world. Just on that being sent out, a little anecdote uh, told some, of the, some people yesterday morning, but having been away in Portland and coming back on Friday, my fridge was empty, of course, so I had to go out and buy some provisions and went to Safeway uh, and um, I was dressed in my clerical attire, in fact, in, in, even in my cassock, and uh, saw someone there on one of the aisles, a guy I wouldn't like to have an argument with. He was well built, as tall as me, but a bit, bit more muscular, and um, with a woman who may have been his wife or partner and a little child, wearing a black T-shirt which said, ban religion. <laughs> And uh, with a cross, um, black cross on a white background with a red circle and a line through it, you know, no religion here. <laughs> so maybe it was fortunate that he, he saw someone dressed in identifiably as one who proclaims religion. We're all called in our own way. I mean, the, as a priest, that's, that's what I do. I wear a distinctive garb because I'm supposed to. The lay people don't have to wear a distinctive garb to point out they're Christians. It's more by their behavior. That they, and their words, that they show they're Christian by their conduct. Yeah, don't be afraid, though, to wear a sign of your, of your faith. Maybe even a sign that shows and displays the holiest, holy and glorious wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>